You unlock this benefit with the key of Patreon. Beyond is another dimension. A dimension of thought. A dimension of speculation. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both waffle and substance. Of things and ideas. You've just crossed into the podcast zone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to us talking about the Twilight Zone. I'm Scott Weather, your regular host, and as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. And we know exactly what it is you need. You need to be spreading the word about our Patreon to as many people as possible. That's what you need to do. But we're also going to be talking about the episode, What You Need. Uh, So I'll I'll go straight up to you, Julian. Uh, What were your thoughts on this episode? Uh, I think this is a good episode. I I, I like this episode well. Uh, It's not great. It's not not a classic. but, you know, I, I do like it. And I, I like the idea of sort of this old man who, who gives people what they need. And the idea is that he sort of like has some kind of psychic power or he's blessed by God or he's never really explained. But I like how mundane everything is, you know, that he gives people like, you know, a pen, scissors, you know. Uh, it's a little more um, extreme in the bar where he's give, he gives this old ball player a ticket and, you know, that's. You know, it's like, well, he could have probably gotten a ticket anyway, you know. So it's like, did he get a whole new career? It's not really clear that he caused that phone call to be a job offer. Like, was that going to happen anyway? In which case, what did you do? Is it just psychic? I don't don't know there. No, it's funny. That's the only, that bus ticket is the only thing I have an issue with in this episode. Because everything else has a sort of like a... Uh, the one thing I thought was like a final destination. You know, like it triggers another event. Like it, it allows something to trigger. Even the first thing he gives, he gives the, 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 the lady that bottle of cleaning fluid. And I didn't know what was coming. Right? And so when he's like, oh no, this gets rid of all kinds of stains. I'm like, she killed someone. Is he helping her cover <laughs> her body? Like, I, was like, I thought the same thing. I was like, are, am I, are we supposed to know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, is this going to go really dark? Um, so I was, I was really baffled by that. But it does. It's, it sort of leads to the because he's got a stain, he's got a stain on his suit, and he wants to present, and she's the one. So it allows him to regain, you know, a relationship and all sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But the bus ticket doesn't instigate the call. Right. It allows him to go, but he could easily have gone if he's spending money on booze. I'm pretty sure he can go and got the, gone and got the ticket. Like so, I don't know. This I was thinking. You know, could he have given him a quarter or sort of sometimes that could have he could have then called someone or I don't know, but there was another way of doing it. But that's the only thing in this episode where I'm like, that that doesn't quite feel, um, doesn't fit, you know, with it because everything else is sort of like is is about with the guy, uh, the, the, the this uh, what's his name, Mister, the villain of the piece, um, yeah. I think it's the name now, because of the R, but the baddie, the partner. Oh, yeah, it's Renard, right? Because it's, it's Fox in French. Yes. Renard. Um, everything he gets is, is, is sort of um, causal, you know, like everything, it just it happens to be sort of like, you know, accidents that he, he is then sort of like benefiting from. But the, the bus doesn't fit into that, into that sort of. Um, ideal but everything else the other thing about this episode which i'm going to bang on about and i've said about the actors in the past the one thing i'm really beginning to appreciate about the twilight zone is their character actors 
they use character actors so well in this show. Like they, their casting is spot on. Like the, the old man and this this uh, Mr. Renard, excellent. Like I I would watch these two guys much more. Like <laughs> especially Mr. Renard. Like he's horrible. Like he's a real villain. Yeah. But like the way um you know he's just very very good in this in this in this episode and i'll get into some of the shots i really like of him as well actually they film him in a really cool way at one point but um yeah no i i, I like this idea uh, and also i'll let you go in a second but one of the things i like about this as well is it hints at a bigger um there's a, there's a bigger world to this at one point mr renard's like oh you know you might be satisfied with contentment you might be you know with your little life but i'm not i want more i want luxury pal i want all this and the guy says to the old man says to him like you know well there's a reason well there's a reason i don't do that he doesn't he never tells him what it is you never find out but there's this there's almost like oh there's a prequel to this episode where this old man used this power and it blew up in his face Mm. and he's pulled back and now just lives this life of contentment almost like is he then, you know, is he on a is he on a road of retribution, doing these things to help others rather than to help himself? Like, there's another episode in there, and I was like, so I, I liked that as well. Yeah, those are all good points. I I think that, you know, I I like the old man, and I like the idea that he he has this gift for whatever reason, but he uses it in these very safe, mundane ways, mm. right? Uh, and like you say, maybe he's gone to the racetrack or something or tried to do something and it's not worked, but that he's helping people, mm. um, at, at least until he saves himself at the end. Um, but in these really mundane ways, I want to get back to the the bus ticket that could have been solved so easily because that player, that baseball player goes in and gets a phone call and he uh, finds out that. Um, he's been offered a job, you know, coaching in um, Scranton, of mm. all places. And he says, um, you know, the guy's been trying to find me for two weeks. Okay, well, all you need to do is give the guy, tell the, you know, give the guy a reason to call somebody who then says, oh, hey, I know this guy's looking for you, <laughs> right? And then this web of contingency is activated. Mm. And I love this idea of, the mundane and how much the mundane changes our lives. Yes. Um, and how our lives exist within this web of contingency. Um, and I often think about this, that we, we think about the moments that most change our lives. And we think they're, they're big moments like getting married or, or whatever. <laughs> but when we really start pulling on those threads, we find that, there are very simple things at the root of them that if those didn't happen, our lives would be completely different. Mm. Um, you know, I, after one year of college, I was, I left, <coughs> I went to another school. Um, mm. But in the meantime, I was, I was basically depressed and living in my parents' basement. Then that school that was my top school gave me a phone call and just had such professional people as one woman in particular, just following up on, um, you know, why did you not complete your application? And I said, well, to be honest, I'm suicidally depressed every day. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, oh, 
well, I hope you get better, uh, but you can also complete, there's still time to complete that application. And, you know, bless her, you know, that my, I, that changed my life, basically. Mm. Who knows what would have happened otherwise. Um, and there are so many times like that, that, you know, so this idea of a web of contingency, you know, like if I didn't have that scissors, I would have died. Uh, if I didn't have that, whatever. I love that stuff. Um, and yeah. that's some deep stuff if you really examine it. Oh, no, it is. I would say about the scissors. There is. This is the second thing I will say about this. And I understand why it's done. The way he's wearing that scarf when he gets caught. Mm-hmm. And it's great that he has to have the scissors. I do love the moment. But all he's doing is he's only got it wrapped over his shoulder yes. once. He yeah, could I easily, He could easily just go, twist, <laughs> and it would be solved. But I, that besides the point, I understand why, because obviously from a stunt point of view, I'm pretty sure they'd be like, no, we're not going to tie this around your throat because it's dangerous. Um, but I love the, I do love this idea of the small things, you know, these little moments that make, have a grand impact and, um, and that result in you meeting someone or making a decision or, you know, picking up a phone call or what, whatever it can be that leads to, yeah, these different things. Um, and, uh, the pen, the pen's one of my f- is is really good. It, it feels like Final Destination. It's like a positive Final Destination. Like that blob of ink falls on and it falls on that horse, and then he makes them makes all that money. Um, and it, 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 but the the thing I say is about the con. You said about continuity. We talked about continuity in the last episode about how you know people being blinked out of continuity. Well, he saved Mister Renard. So, you know, this thing of like, well, right. he was supposed to die at that point. You know, existence reality was supposed to go on with him dead after that point, but now you've made him rich, and so, so you know it's almost like it's destined to lead to this guy's death. Uh, and so you know, it, it, it works even to, in the episode. the old man's death, right? That no, it's no. Destined... I, it, go ahead. Well, this was the thing I was thinking. It's sort of like it was going to end. Yeah, it was either going to end in one of their death, uh, right. but the moment he the moment he saved Renard's life. In the episode, and again, this is just from watching years of pop culture. I was like, "Oh, you're dead." Yeah, like you know, reality is going to assert itself over you. Like, you will not see <laughs> this episode. Like you know, I, I like the way it plays out, but I like the fact that even, regardless of this, the old man's persistent in trying to do the right thing, even in the most mundane of ways, trying to do the right thing. Um, not entirely sure about the um, the business model of the whole thing. Like he gives I away wonder about that too. <laughs> like, he constantly tries to sell things, and even the woman at the beginning is like, "I could do with some matches." And he goes, "No, no, no, this is what you need." And I'm like, "No, no, take the money for the matches and give her the thing. You need to be paying your rent." Like, yes. Well, and also, how much money are you making selling matches and shoelaces? Right. You know, we see him in his home because Renard breaks in, and it's you know a normal sized. You know, it's a small apartment in New York or something, but it's a it's a normal sized apartment. It, it it's cozy, especially for fifty nine. How the hell is he paying for this? <laughs> you know, like how many shoelaces? How books of matches? I'm pretty. You know, even in fifty nine, you got those for free. You know. Yeah, I did think that, and this, but this is the second time we've seen this kind of character, this salesman kind yeah. of character. So, I'm assuming they were a thing in the 40s and 50s or whatever, the, the, the you know the earlier part of the 20th century. Um, I can see why they died out, you know, and and stuff. But they must exist to some extent, selling 
you know, fake Rolexes and, and all that kind of jazz now. Um, but bootleg uh, DVDs, <laughs> yeah, bootleg Blu rays in the works. Um, but you mentioned that bit about the, the, the um, that when he breaks into the apartment, mm. I love that scene. Uh, again, I, I have questions like, how did he find out where he lived? But mm-hmm. I, I'm letting that go. It's very atypical. It's very noir. It has that thing of like, there's a blinking sign outside and stuff. But the way that they shoot Renal, he's sat in that chair and he's just like cloaked in shadow. And he's just mm. sat there. And then, you know, when the old man comes, and stuff, it looks great. Like, I really love that shot. But then more than that, when he sort of, um, the way this guy plays it, like when the guy, the old man comes in, he panics and he drops all his stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's there to intimidate him, but he's not like, he's not going to beat him up. He's, he's still, he's looking to take advantage of him. So he's trying to manipulate him and stuff. And that whole scene in the apartment, I just really like. Like, it, it carries menace, but not, like at that point, not threat of violence, because you know this Renard's like, no, no, I need you. You're great. Like I could use you for all kinds of stuff. Like tell me the lottery numbers, whatever. Um, but it carries this real menace of you know. He's like, well, I've been a sucker all my life, and I've lived. I've built. You know, I was born under a bad zodiac or whatever he says. And um, it's you almost like you feel like the old man's taking pity on him. Like, look, all right, I'm going to give you this one thing, and then you can just go. Um. But yeah, I don't know that that middle scene, that whole scene in the apartment. I was, I really enjoyed that. That was a really well done, um, well acted scene. Yeah, I I found I I know exactly what you mean. That you know it'd be so easy to have him you know threaten to backhand the old man or you know yeah. just have a gun or something, and it's so understated, mm. and yet certainly conveys that that sense of threat. Yeah, I mean it's almost convivial. Like they're just talking. But it's still this sense of menace. Like he says to him, like I could do these things to you. You know, Renard's dangerous, and he's you know he's he's stupid enough to be dangerous. But in that mm-hmm. scene, like there's that moment of, you know, he's just not quite. He's holding back, and like I say it's just understated. And I was like, for for a TV show, like you know, the, 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 you, the, you said before, they're clearly churning these out, but they are hitting their groove and they are now sort of entering in scenes where I'm like, Oh no, this isn't just a good concept. I'm not, I'm not, I'm no longer just here for the concept. Like I'm digging the characters and I'm enjoying what's being presented. Like this is, yeah, I really enjoyed some of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also think that, you know, in addition to sort of Renard, um, I mean, Renard sort of strikes me as a a little two dimensional though. Um, Mm. You know, he is, introduced as a lifeline i mean and really the opening narration is super mean you know it's like uh he's lived 30 i'm quoting he's lived 36 undistinguished meaningless pointless failure-laden years like wow rod serling really hates this guy yeah i was surprised Um, rod serling didn't come in and just punch him and then walk off (laughs) and he he is like so mean he's he Mm -hmm. never he never even says thank you to the old man but I want another thing, right? Yeah. He he does can he he's just like, all right, you got a secret, um, and you're gonna do this for me. And he only expresses anger at the old man for the pen not working. It's like you just made two hundred and forty dollars. You know, at least say like, look, thanks for that, but the pen stopped working, and I really want another. He seems so ungrateful and two dimensional. But the old man says that to him, and because there's another great sort of um, 
you know, dialogue between them when he says, like, you know, he says, you give me what I what I need. And the old man says, I can't give you what you need. I don't have the ability to give you, like, humility and grace. <laughs> and he lists off these things, you know, the ability to laugh at oneself and all this other stuff. And you can see this sort of, like, almost confusion on Renard's face. He's like, I don't give a shit about that stuff. Like, give me things. <laughs> I want things. Um, and, and this is this desperation that then continues through. Because um, then he then gives him the shoes. Um Although there's a line where he says, when he puts on the shoes and he says, oh, they're a little tight. And I thought, oh, that's going to play into it. And it doesn't. But, um, well, I, I quite like that because he says, you know, it's tight and the soles are slippery, you know, and you see there's rain out, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. But I think like, you know, the tightness is like, it's already so conventional, like, you know, oh, I've put these on and these are very slippery. Who the hell says that? You know, it's like, okay, it has two attributes. One is going to be important. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I rather did like that. But I love that the old man doesn't give him the shoes. The old man, like, he knows that the shoes will kill him and thus save himself, uh, the old man, from dying. But he sort of just glances into his box, and it's Renard who starts pulling stuff out and takes the shoes. Yeah, but when he grabs the shoes, the old man says, please don't take those. Right. And it's clear from that, like in that at that moment, like I was like, oh, like, again, I've known this guy is going to die from the moment in the lift. And so when he says, like, please don't take those, I'm like, oh, this is the setup. Like, you know, this yeah. has got to be something. And like you said, he didn't tell him, but he clearly led him to it. You know, a like little lit, bit, right? Yeah. But he doesn't have the heart to just say, oh, let me tell you what you need. You've been menacing me for you know yeah. uh, a few days now. You know, I'll tell you what you need, jerk. You know, how about you take these lovely shoes? He's such a sweet old guy. Yeah, but he, yeah, but he's not going to say like you know, take these shoes and and you know, take a short walk off a like a long walk off a short pier or something. Like, it's um, he takes them and he's led them. He's led he led Renard to those shoes. He knew what was going to happen because he says when he slips. Or actually, when he's hit, he says, mm-hmm. "Like you know, this wasn't what you need. This is what I needed." He knew, like, if it's, mm-hmm. if it's his powers working this way, he's led him to his death. Like he he set that up. He knew what was coming, and and so I, mean, I don't count it against him, but he de- he definitely did that. Yeah, I I know what you're saying, and I and I like that twist of it's what I needed, mm. but um, but I like the fact that he, I mean, he saved this guy's life. Right. He does not give him the shoes. You're right. He knows the shoes will save him. But it's like he's got a morality where he can't just say, yeah, you're asking for an object. You're asking, give me, old man, what I need. All you need to do is pull those shoes out and hand it to him. You don't have to say a word. He Mm. does not do that. He knows that will save his life. That is as easy as saving his life will be. He looks down and you're you're right. He kind of like. Once the but the once the guy has already found the shoes and it's like this is it, isn't it? And the guy's like, no, 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 don't take that. Okay, you're you're saying it's reverse psychology, but he can't bring himself to just give him the shoes the same way he did a pen, the same way he did the scissors. Yeah, but he knew what those those were for beneficial outcomes. Like those, the pen led to you know financial gain, and the, and the, the you know the other one led to uh, saving his life. 
this is like, I can't give these shoes because you'll end up dying. I don't know. It, it feels, it's a little yeah. bit the same as like Batman saying, I can't, I'm not going to kill you, but that doesn't mean I've got to save you. You know, it's that thing of like, you know, well, it's, it's almost like murder by omission. <laughs> same thing. Um, but I do like the ending and I do like it as this thing, you know, because then he, it has a weird ending because he then gives another guy a comb. Like, you know, the guy's hit by a car and the police will turn up. It's a crime scene. And this couple run out to basically rub a neck over it. And then he gives the guy a comb because his hair's a mess. And then he, the photographer takes a photo of him and he's like, oh, I've got a comb. And it's a weird little, you know, epilogue to be like, oh, he's back doing his thing. But all I can think is like, why the fuck is this guy taking a photo of people out in their dressing gowns by a murder scene, like by a crime scene? What? A, what where is that photo going? <laughs> well, I, th- I guess it's going in a newspaper right, is the implication. But it could just be a weirdo, like you say. <laughs> I was more confused by, like, why does he need to look good in the paper? And there are a couple times like this where, like, that woman with a spot remover, how is that's not what she needs. That's what the other guy needs who's already gotten a career. No, but what, I, she needs, what she needed was, was a man. That's what exactly. she needed. Yeah, and, she and, was looking and see, for something, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there is sort of the implication that maybe she would go with him or something. Mm. Or, you know, this is the start of a beautiful relationship, mm. you know. Um, and the same thing, like, we can kind of guess, like, well, maybe having had that comb, his photo is going to be so beautiful in the newspaper that somebody's going to say, like, I want to give that man a job or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right? But we, we're left to imagine that. And, it, and yeah. it's kind of hard to imagine. No, but it, this was a good episode. I enjoyed this episode. It's good fun. I enjoyed the, the, the actors in it. Um, it, it like you say, not a classic, but. I, I was having a lot of fun with this episode. I'm, I'm, you know, it's getting into its groove now. I, I agree. I will have one final complaint, which is that uh, Renard, it doesn't take much for Renard to figure out, um, hey, this guy is obviously psychic or something and got this guy a job. <laughs> There's a bartender who all he does is make fun of everyone around. The bartender says both, uh, you know, this uh, old ball player comes in here every night and the old man comes in here every night selling things. He's seen this stuff before. He's introducing people who have seen each other a million times to each other, which mm-hmm. is a problem. But, you know, I think it's not just Renard. It's like Renard would have to be completely dense not to notice this. Yeah. Why doesn't the bartender and everybody else in the room say, hey, you got something for me? Yeah, I think it's trying to highlight the, uh, you know, the the selfishness of Renard, isn't it? That he goes straight for it. But you, you are totally right. I did think about that with the ball player and the old man when he says that both of them have been in every night. And you're like, then they know each other. Like, this should be like cheers. Like, it should be a routine. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, we've run over on this one a little yeah. bit because it was a good episode. But uh, anyway, so uh, Julian, thank you very much. That was a, a good one. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk to you on the next episode. <laughs>